Check it out. Welcome to Top of the Class. Hear from education experts and get insights from high achievers to learn how you can do the same. Get into those top schools. Ready? Proudly presented by Crimson Education, the world's leader in university admission support. Hi, Nathan. Welcome to the Top of the Class podcast. It's awesome to have you on the show. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Nathan Yuan. I am a 16-year-old high school student from Brisbane, Australia. So I'm originally from Vietnam and I moved and lived in Australia alone without my parents since the age of 12. I am the founder and CEO of Sanchez. Sanchez is a fiscally sponsored 501c3 nonprofit that aims to bring STEM resources to underprivileged and under-resourced students from around the world. Awesome. Yeah, nice summary there. So you've been kind of going solo in Brisbane for the last four years. How's that been? Um, It's been tough, like not living with my parents, not having that support network at home, but it's a journey that I'm I'm happy that I took because I'm happy that I'm in Australia, you know what I mean? Because there are so many opportunities here. Friends are so awesome in Australia. They're very nice to me as well as the teachers and I am able to do what I love which is what's most important to me because in Vietnam we didn't really have a choice of what subjects we can do we didn't really have that access to resources that Mm -hmm. STEM resources and you know we like experiments in class didn't really happen so it's just something that I'm that I'm I feel really humbled about. Okay cool cool cool. well it's great to have you here in Australia and I'm sure your parents are still very proud of what you're doing uh, but yeah, take us through Scientists. So what, firstly, is that a combination of science and conscious, is it? Or explain that to us. Yeah, so Scientists, the name Scientists contains two elements, which are science and conscious. So I believe that knowing the power of science or more broadly STEM is very important for youths nowadays. So that's that's basically the meaning behind the name. So as I've said before, our goal is to bring STEM resources to underprivileged and under-resourced students. Mm -hmm. So we achieve our goals through various different programs and resources that we offer. So we first have a dedicated publishing platform for students who publish their own scientific articles, which is not really common because high school students, you know, they love to write, but it's hard for them to, to publish somewhere. And we give them that platform. So they will basically write an article of any STEM subject they'd like to they'd like to write about and Mm -hmm. then they will send it to our team of editors and the editors will make some comments and edit the article and then finally finally publish it on our website and some of the best articles we will make it up to a digital magazine so we have our first digital magazine up already it's about 10 of the best articles that has been published to our website in 2020 and we plan to publish another digital magazine in two or three weeks' time. The topic of the next magazine will be on women in STEM mm-hmm. because I personally believe in, I guess, empowering and encouraging women to join the STEM field because it's like they're prejudiced against in a way. So well, I mean, we just, it's just the STEM field is just so male-dominated in, in, yeah, in yeah. like computer science and these kinds of things like at the university level, like it is, you know, usually like an 80-20 split or something, guys to, yeah. to girls. So, yeah, like encouraging women to get into STEM and to stay in STEM, not just throughout high mm. school, but going to university and as a career path is like something that uh, I think everybody needs to get behind for sure. Because like the 
the more women in STEM, the more kind of diversity in thought, right? Like I, I know that there's a weird statistic that when it comes to air conditioning, right, air conditioning mm-hmm. in office buildings, this kind of stuff, the average temperature that gets set is due to the male body temperature, right? So like most air conditioners are set to appease or please the male body temperature. And that's because there was probably not enough women in the room when that decision was being made, being like, hey, what about us? Like this is too cold for us. Like most of most offices are set too cold because guys' body temperatures are a little bit hotter. So yeah, like there definitely needs to be more women in STEM to have a voice in decisions like that and more obviously complex and and more exciting, you know, things than just uh, air conditioning temperatures. But yeah, definitely like there there needs to be more women in STEM. So where are these articles coming from exactly? Are they coming mainly from Australian students or elsewhere around the world? Um, They're from all around the world. So we have members from Kazakhstan, Australia, New Zealand, USA. Our COO is from the USA and we have just various different areas from around the world and they would just send articles in and then the editors will edit them. And just bringing back to the women in STEM kind of thing, I'm really proud that my board members is composed of six women out of eight people. Mm-hmm. And so it's very something it's something that I'm very proud of. And it's something that I I think um yeah it's very important to me personally because I really want more women to be engaged in the STEM field. Moving on, um, we also publish, uh, we also produce free experiment videos and we have a YouTube channel. So we have a team of like remote scientists, I call them, and they will just film experiment videos and then they'll edit it it, and then we will view it and upload it to our YouTube channel as well as our um, social media account. So that's a, it's all free and the experiments are very easy to do. Awesome. So, okay, let me get this straight. You've got some articles, so like a publishing platform. You've got the the digital magazine and you've got the YouTube uh, channel as well where people can conduct experiments and share those. Is there anything other than those three elements that, you know, Scientist is part of at the moment? Yes. So about a few months ago, we organised a webinar with in partnership with Project 21, which is an, another non-profit organisation in India. So the topic of the webinar was digital literacy in times of COVID. So it's basically teaching students how to use the internet effectively and um, how to see what information is is like not um, biased or not skewed in a certain way. And mm-hmm. it's just teaching students to use the internet because there's so many information on the internet, like it's you can't really know what's right and what's wrong because yeah. everything is out there. So, yeah. And we also fact check our articles to make sure that the science facts are correct and not like wrong anything. We also provide free tutoring for financially disadvantaged students. So right now we have a team of 30 tutors who are tutoring students predominantly predominantly from Vietnam because I have, I have a lot of contacts in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So I reach out to rural schools in Vietnam and the students basically signed up for one-on-one tutoring with our tutors. Our tutors are from English-speaking countries such as Australia, USA, and New Zealand. So it's helping the students to learn English as well, not just like STEM subjects. So the tutor will basically um, go through the student's homework or any concept that they're not sure about at school. And it just 
you know, providing them with um, worksheets and PowerPoints and just help them understand the subject that they'd like to learn better. In regards to setting up Scientures, obviously mm-hmm. it's got a lot of different, you know, angles and, and different type of initiatives that Scientures is part of now. You've got webinars, you've got tutoring, you've got the publishing, you've got the digital magazine, you've got a competition coming up too, uh, which mm-hmm. we can talk about in a sec. But my question to you is when you were setting it up initially, mm-hmm. Did you have all of these different ideas in mind or did you have just one goal that scientists were supposed to fulfill and then since then it's it's kind of added on? Yeah, no, like when I started scientists in May 2020, so it's really out of boredom really. So I was thinking to myself, what do I enjoy doing? And I love writing. I love experimenting. And I was thinking how, how could I inspire and share my passion in, in writing and in experimenting to my peers and people my age so I started scientists just, just like a publishing platform because I was looking around and see because I have a piece of writing right and where can I put that piece of writing out there for people my age to see and I couldn't really find a platform for me to do that so I started scientists as just a publishing platform then I started recruiting more people and they were saying to me hey how about doing a tutoring program, how about doing this, doing that? And then I was thinking it's a good idea because our goal is to provide that resources, provide that access to STEM to um, students. And then it just adds on and adds on to the um, publishing platform. And now, um, scientists, we have 200 plus volunteers. We have eight bot members from around the world. Um, we have 2,000 plus followers on our Instagram account. And our main website now has more than 11,000 subscribers. So it just feel really privileged because I know it just it's not just my work that's that has brought scientists to what it is today. It's, it's the idea, the cumulative ideas of people in my team and people that I have recruited into my team. And um, yeah, I'm very thankful for that because, you know, one brain is never as good as many. So <laughs> yeah. For sure. Well, yeah, that's awesome. 11,000 subscribers. Yeah, like it's obviously growing very quickly. If you only started in May 2020, it's growing pretty quick at the moment, which is awesome. So why set it up as a nonprofit organization, though? Because obviously, like you could just set up an Instagram account, call it Scientists, set up a website, you know, have people send their articles to the website. What was the benefit or goal or reason behind creating it as a nonprofit. Yeah, there are many reasons behind why I decided to set up Scientists as a nonprofit. So initially as a publishing platform, I didn't receive that many um, submissions to my website. So I was thinking maybe because this website doesn't have that much of a credibility to it. So I decided to um, just look around to see how it's the um, nonprofit setup process was, and it's a really complicated process. But I was discussing with my COO from the USA, and he thought it was a great idea for us to move forward to setting up as a nonprofit. It's also because as a nonprofit, you you'll be able to recruit more members to your team, and you know, just having that credibility is important. I think. Mm-hmm. So primarily, the nonprofit kind of angle that you went with is for credibility purposes. Yeah. You know, other students can say, oh, I've joined a nonprofit. 
right? Is that something that you yeah. think attracts more members? Yeah, and I was, and I wanted to give my volunteers some kind of recognition. So setting up as a nonprofit will allow me to um, sign up for presidential scholarship awards in the USA specifically and give out that awards for volunteers in the USA, as well as allowing them to put up like volunteer hours on, I think it's the, in the US students um, go volunteer and they can track their volunteer hours. And as mm -hmm. a nonprofit, you, you'll be able to do that. And so I think it's important that I give students that my volunteer specifically that recognition that they have volunteered in my organization. They have like joined my organization. Yeah. Okay. Well, where are you registered? Are you registered here in Australia or the US or global? So we are registered in the US. We have a 51C3 nonprofit status. It's under the name of my COO because we need a physical address in the USA. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. Well, take us through the number of hoops that you had to jump through to become a registered nonprofit organization. Because as you said, like it's quite a complex process. Can you take us through a couple of those things? Yeah. Um, so first we have to have a structure set up beforehand. So like we need to have, so COOs, a CEO, COO, like how many volunteers we have. The financial structure is also important. So my COO has like a physical address. We have a bank account in the USA that we need to set up. So we just need someone who's who's there in the US to take care of all the financial side of the nonprofit registration process. Mm -hmm. um, because we are all under 18. So someone 18 um, years of age must sign the contract and all that. So that's um, my CEO parents. They take care of that thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been, it's a really long process. It just takes a lot of time to do. It's really a lot of back and forth. But at the end, it's, I think it's very, it's worth it. And it's something that um, I think we're very grateful for to be able to, to be registered. So, yeah, I yeah. think the process in Australia is a bit simpler, but still you need a physical address in in Australia, and because I intended to make this nonprofit global, so I think registering in the US will give it a little bit more credibility, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah 100%. So, no, that, that's a very, very smart move there to kind of set things up in the US. The CEO's parents getting on board as well, which is awesome. Um, yeah, like a, like a really good move. So, are you, as a result of that, getting more members from the US than here in Australia? Like, how are you going with the time zones at the moment? Yeah, it's it's like when when we set up board members, um, board meetings. I mean, it's like a lot of people couldn't attend because it's like three a.m. their time. Because in Australia, we are we're simply like one day ahead of the U.S. I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's hard. And then I have to wake up until eleven p.m. to chat with my COO. And it's, but I think it's um, good that we are you know, going through all these hardships kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it has taught me a lot because I wasn't a very outgoing kind of person. So setting up this nonprofit allowed me to, you know, exercise my communication skills, which I think it's not so good right now, but I think I'm working towards it. And it allows me to, you know, step out of my comfort zone because, um, you know, there's a Vietnamese saying that says, which means go hard or go home, basically. 
So yeah. So you you've been going hard when it comes to scientists. You've definitely extended yourself. I was going to ask, like, what are some of the key things that you have learned through this process? I could imagine setting up an organization and then going from student to now CEO at the age of 16 is somewhat daunting. And then I'm going to guess you've got a lot of board members who are like, Nathan, what do we do now? Like, what are we doing next? Like, make a decision here, make a decision there. And you're like, geez, all I wanted to set up was like a place to publish my articles. And now people are asking me about like, you know, tutoring kids in Vietnam or running competitions. Like, there must be a lot of different things that are competing for your attention now as, as being the CEO mm. of a scientist? You know, starting off, I didn't know anything about website design or how how could I reach out to other people and, and you know, tell them about my organization. And then I was talking to my father and then he said, it's not going to succeed. It's like, just give up already and focus on your studies. But then I think the biggest thing that I've learned throughout this process is to believe in myself and to believe in my potential and to believe in this organization and continue to work hard towards my goal. I think it's one of the biggest things that I've learned and to continue to, to persevere throughout hardships and to not give up in times of hardship. It's, it's something that I've learned because I fail. I admittedly fail a lot throughout this process. Like I was so frustrated because I couldn't set up the website but um, I kept on going and I didn't give up. And I think that's that's the most important thing that I've learned. And to believe in your goal, to believe in yourself. And to have other people around you who, who will be like, hey, no, it's okay. Like you've got your COO there, obviously, who seems to be like a great support and you've got other board members, these kinds of things. Yeah. Like it's important, I think, to set something up and to believe in yourself and whatnot like throughout that process. But it's almost as important to have other people who believe in you as well, right? Other yeah. people who believe in the cause, other people who are like, you know, say, hey, yeah, this is a cool idea. I want to be part of it, right? Like that must have been yeah. a huge factor to keep you going. Yeah, I I, I think my teachers have been very um, supportive of me throughout this process. So I talked to one of my teachers at school and she was very excited that I'm actually setting this up and she encouraged me throughout the way. And I think she believed in me. She believed in what I could do and she believed in my organization. And I think that's a very big part of the success of what Sanchez is today. It's that um, even though some people didn't believe in me, I still know that there will be there will always be someone who who understand what I could do. And they, you know, they believe in me and in the organization. Which is awesome. Now, let's talk about how you're growing scientists. Like it's obviously, as you said, 11,000 subscribers. Is that mainly through kind of organic word of mouth, this type of thing? Or are you actively reaching out to different students, different schools, different teachers? As you said, like for me, if I was in your position, I'm actually going to give you a couple tips after the call. So don't hang up on me when we finish the podcast, because I do think that there's like some really great teacher networks out there, like big teacher Facebook groups of like science teacher Facebook groups, this type of thing that would love to hear about, you know, scientists and what you're doing. Uh, but what have you done to, to grow the organization so far and grow those you know, numbers of subscribers and, and followers on Instagram? Yeah. So I talked to my teacher at school about my organization and he said to me, maybe you should speak on parade and talk to, uh, people in my grade about the organization and I said yeah let's take up this opportunity and do it and then I gave a speech 
during parade and my teacher introduced my organization to people my grade and I got a lot of um, you know, subscribers from, from my school. It's also from word of mouth for my board members because we have five different chapters set up which do in-person meeting. Um, so just through that word of mouth and um, you know, just sharing around their community, the um, different board members, they share the organization to their friends and their teachers and stuff. And it's just through that we have um, accumulated a lot of um, subscribers. Mm-hmm. I also, so a lot of my board members come from the Crimson Extracurricular um, site. So they yep. signed up through there. So just the um, Crimson, the support from Crimson. We also sponsored by Crimson for our competition, the Crimson Youth Fund. So um, the Crimson team had been so supportive and their contribution towards the growth of what scientists is today, it's just invaluable. So I'm very grateful for that. Sure. So they helped me with, you know, reaching out to you, um, for example, or to the YouTube channel or to um, to media outlets in my social uh, in my city. So yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, I will definitely put a link to the Crimson Youth Fund in the show notes as well for students who are interested about that, uh, and the extracurricular uh, website there, which a lot of students are finding you through, which is awesome. It's obviously a great way for students like yourself who are starting different organisations to reach a lot of different students very, very quickly. And I think Crimson is good in that way that like most people who have come in contact with Crimson are also students who want to get involved in you know, organizations like scientists, they're looking for other opportunities. They're not looking just to be like a part of, you know, the school band and a sports team. Like they want to get involved in something academic, something unique, something different. Um, and so scientists definitely ticks all those boxes. Now let's get into the competition side of things, because I know that, you know, some students listening will be like, hey, how can I get involved in one way, shape or another? Obviously they could probably, you know, subscribe and follow you guys on Instagram, but the competition is one easy way that, people can get involved. So talk to me about that. Yes. Yeah, so we are setting up a, an, a writing competition, a STEM writing competition. It's called the Scientist International STEM Writing Competition. So it's a completely free competition. It's sponsored by the Crimson Youth Fund, as well as the Art of Problem Solving, AOPS. So it's open to students aged 12 to 18. You simply have to write a 1,000 words article on five different topics, including, so why does biological aging occur? for instance, is a topic. Mm-hmm. And in the first place, winner will win a cash price of $250. US They will also win a $25 coupon from the, the Art of Problem Solving. And they'll receive a certificate as well as they'll be featured on our magazine, our social media, etc. That's a good price. $250. Yeah. Bucks. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I yeah. Um sorry that I'm not like 12 to 18. Otherwise I probably would have tried to enter that. That's that's a pretty good prize. Uh, and what's second prize there? Second prize is 125 US dollars and the $25 coupon. Third is 50 US dollars and $25 coupon. And we also have a highly commended award where participant can win a $25 AOPS coupon and a certificate as well. Awesome. Awesome. Now that funding is coming from the Crimson Youth Fund, is it? Yes, correct. Okay, that's good. That's good. So I was just trying to figure out where that prize money is coming from. But that, that's awesome that, uh, you know, you can hopefully get a few people entering. Have you got many entries so far? We've had about 20 plus entries, but we hope to bring that numbers up. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I reckon you could aim for a couple hundred for sure. And hopefully this this podcast episode 
encourages students. So if you're a listener out there and you enjoy STEM and you enjoy writing about STEM, uh, there will be a link in the show notes to get involved in that competition. And what does what date does the competition close? The competition will end on September 15, 2021. Who's judging it, by the way? So we have our editor-in-chief from Ethiopia. So she'll be um, reading those articles and she'll also be reaching out to professors and tell them to review the articles. And what kind of credentials does your uh, editor-in-chief in Ethiopia have in terms of, like, does she love science? I'm going to guess she does. Yeah, she is very passionate in STEM as well. Um, and she loves writing. So I think she'd be great for judging the competition as well. She will be reaching out to professors and telling them to review the articles um, to make sure that it's it's good. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, what, what's next for scientists? Obviously, it's growing exponentially. You've got this team of tutors, this competition, all these different things that it's doing. Uh, have you got any plans for the next six months or year? Yeah, so we hope to grow our podcasts um, and we hope to get about 12 podcast episodes by the end of this year. Mm -hmm. So our podcast is simply where we interview professors and or students from around the world. So we have interviewed professors from schools such as MIT, Yale, Yale NUS, New York University, etc. And they basically talk about their research and what they're interested in and our goal is to inspire inspire students to learn more about a STEM topic as well as to learn more about um, scientific research. So that's our goal for our podcast. So we only have about six podcast episodes up right now, but we hope to bring that number up to about 12 by the end of this year. I also hope to reach out to rural schools in different countries and um, offer them our tutoring service. So that's my goal for the end of this year, we have our director of tutoring from the UK, and he has been reaching out to different schools in Europe as well as in the American region. Awesome. And another goal that I'd like to achieve is to give my volunteer more recognition in terms of like certificates or um, that kind of stuff. We have registered with the US government for the US Presidential Scholarship Awards already, but I also like to um, register in different countries and give my volunteers from different countries like awards and stuff so they um, can get more recognition in terms of joining my organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's super important, I think. Like I've spoken to quite a few founders of organizations on the show and recognition for, for volunteers is, is super important to keep people engaged long term because a lot of people can join and then after a couple of weeks or a couple of months, they're like, uh, yeah, I've got exams coming up, sorry, and like you yeah. never hear from them again type of thing. But if they can see that there's some kind of connection to what they're doing in the organisation to, you know, if they're applying for college or if they're looking to get a job and they're saying like, hey, yeah, I've actually worked for a non-profit and put it on their resume or something like that, that's always a great way to keep people involved uh, long-term, hopefully, which which is really, really good. Can I ask from a personal standpoint from you doing school at the moment what's that like balancing scientist ceo and school is that becoming a bit of a challenge yeah it's it's tough because i spend a lot of time on the organization it's like i think it's important that i prioritize so like if i have exams coming up tomorrow i will spend maybe like 30 minutes that day on the organization so like catching up with my board members and stuff but then i have to focus on my exam which is coming up tomorrow so like it's important that 
I think prioritizing tasks is very important and like time management. Mm-hmm. It's important that you don't slack off at school because I think studying is still very important at students my age. But yeah, it's so time management, prioritizing tasks as well as, you know, giving yourself a break sometimes. Like I'm only high school students, you know what I mean? And like if I overwhelm myself too much, yeah, I think it can negatively affect my mental health. So I just like once or two weeks, I give myself a break. Like I go to get some bubble tea or something and like just chill for a little bit and then um, recharge. Yeah. Well, we actually had one of the founders of the Bubble Tea Club on the show a couple of weeks ago. So oh, you can go check out his episode because if you want bubble tea at home, Bubble Tea Club, scientists, <laughs> links there. And I was going to ask as well, has this experience changed what you had in mind for your future long-term, like university level, this type of stuff, or employment, this type of thing? Has, has this experience given you a different direction or has it like solidified what you thought that you wanted to do? Like, has it changed anything in that regard? Yeah, definitely. Like now I know what I want to do, which is I want to go into the same field, particularly biology. You know, setting up this organization has also told me that I'm capable of more stuff than I thought I was capable of. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you never know. I I was thinking of, you know, going to university overseas or something, but yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I know that a, a lot of students in, you know, US colleges in particular, these kinds of things, like there's a lot of founders and co-founders and people who have had very similar experiences in that, like, you know, they have this moment where they create something and then it just grows and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, as you just said, like, it's such a confidence thing, right? Like I'm able to achieve so much more than I thought I was able to achieve. Like I thought I was just going to follow this path that every other student goes down. And all of a sudden now I'm like the CEO of an organization with 11,000 subscribers and students from all around the world. Like what else could I do type of thing? Maybe I could go yeah. to like a Yale or something like that, right? You know, like it's it's a really exciting prospect, I'm sure. Uh, is there any final advice you would give for students who are looking to set up an organization or if they want to kind of flex their STEM muscles in some way, shape or form? What advice would you give to students? Like as I've said before, go hard or go home. But it's also important that you you know like you're not doing it just for the university or just f- to get that stuff on your resume kind of mm-hmm. thing you're doing it because you want to help someone because you want to make a positive impact in the world and i think a lot of people are doing it for the for the wrong purpose they're doing it just to you know hey i set up a non-profit organization kind of thing but it's important that you do it for the right purpose you do it because you want to help people not because you want to put that stuff on your resume and i think that's important yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And final question, how can people get in touch with you personally? Like follow you on you on LinkedIn or Instagram? Like if people wanted to to throw you a question, where can they get in touch with you? So yeah, you can contact me through Scientist's Instagram, so scientist.co. You can also look up our website, scientist.com, and our competition website, which is scientistcomp.org. Awesome. All those links will be in the show notes. Nathan, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. All the best for scientists. It sounds like you're doing some amazing stuff and you're doing really, really great work. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Top of the Class. Subscribe for future episodes. For show notes and to plan your best future, head to crimsoneducation.org.